Now, uh, I want to read uh, uh, Acts 18, 1 through 6, and I want to pick it up where we left off this morning. <coughs> and I sure appreciate you folks, and I appreciate the questions. <coughs> they told me when I pastored at Cornerstone, I told so many stories about India and about Asia. They said, Brother Elvis, if you'll just number them, you can just call out a number and you won't have to spend the time telling the story. And uh, so uh, uh, I, I love to talk about it and I love for people to ask questions and I uh, love to explain to them what we do. All right, in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, verse 1 through 6, it says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from uh, Italy uh, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius, the emperor uh, of, of Rome, had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sunday at Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy, uh, Timothus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And when they opposed themselves, and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I want to call your attention to the phrase, They oppose themselves. Heavenly Father, please help me as I attempt to preach tonight. Lord, help me to be able to speak plainly and clearly. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would take the words that I speak and take the word of God that we've read and that we will read. And, Lord, may you just minister to our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd be lifted up and glorified by uh, what's preached here tonight in this service. And I pray you'd be lifted up and glorified by, Lord, uh, by the Light and 1040 Window Ministry and what's going on in World Missions. I, I pray all of that would be pleasing unto you. But I pray that you would guide my thoughts and uh, my words, Lord. And uh, I pray you'd guide me by your spirit and just uh, give me clarity of thought. And just bless this service tonight, and may you accomplish your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this morning we talked about the fact that people oppose themselves when they reject the gospel, and many do, and we need to understand this. A lot of times you and I, that may, if we're saved, we can look at somebody else and say, well, I just can't believe that somebody would be that foolish uh, to believe what they believe or uh, that would, they wouldn't want to prepare for eternity. Uh, but as I think back... Um, I was 24 years old when I got saved. How many of y'all were over 24, 25 years old when you got, when you got saved? Okay, uh, now I'm going to say this to me, maybe not about you, may not feel this way, uh, but they probably wasn't any more foolish or not any more foolish than I was. And so, uh, uh, you know, you, uh, God has to open your eyes to see it, and he does that with the scripture and with his spirit. Uh, but so uh, we need to understand that we have opposed ourselves in the past, especially before we got saved. And uh, so people oppose themselves uh, because they have the world's mentality. They, we live in this world. We're not of this world, uh, uh, but we're in this world. And so we have, we're influenced by the philosophy of the world. Uh, but we need to understand this one thing that makes a lot of sense to me as a Christian. You know, people think uh, that their worldly philosophy is right and the Bible is wrong. People think a lot of times 
that they're as good as you are and they may be better than I am or you are. Uh, but they think that their works and their good deeds uh, will get them into heaven. They think that. And you and I know, if we know our Bible, we know that that's very foolish. Uh, but people think those things and they have a, a worldly philosophy. Uh, but that will never, ever, ever work. Now, there's a reason why. When we get saved, we ought to serve the Lord because of for what he's done for us and that we might be effective in his ministry. But mark it down. If I could earn any part of my salvation, or you could earn any part of your salvation, I'm going to remember to turn this on now, brother. Uh, if you could earn any part of your salvation, well, then that would take away some of the glory that is due Jesus Christ. God will not allow us to do anything or apply anything to salvation that will rob Jesus Christ of the glory that he deserves. There's a song, I can't sing it, surely can't sing it tonight, but I like it. It's a song called uh, My Plea. It says, Should I at the gates of heaven appear? And answer the question, What claim has thou here? What has thou to offer? Yea, what is thy plea? With blessed assurance, my answer would be, All that I have is Jesus. All that I claim is Jesus. All that I want all that I need, all that I plead is Jesus. When I stand at the gates of heaven and if I should be asked the question, why should I be allowed to enter in? It will not be that, well, I was a missionary. I was a pastor for almost 40 years. Or I did this. Or I tithe. I, all those things are good. If that, all, they, we ought to do good things. But when they ask the question, why should I allow you to enter heaven? It'll be one answer. That's because I have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. My faith is in the blood that he shed. His righteousness, not mine. And so God is not going to allow uh, anybody to rob Jesus Christ of that glory. Now, we see a lot of things that, that affect us in this day with a Worldly philosophy, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceits and with the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So God warns us of that. So we have to be careful about that. Uh, there's a lack uh, uh, of biblical education today. There's a lack of biblical education. I know that uh, when I was pastoring several years ago, I served... Uh, for I think it was seven years as president of the Arkansas Christian School Association. Now, there was many men that would have been better qualified for it than I was, but I served, uh, I do believe, in, in, in Christian education. I thank God for it. And at that time, we had a fundamental Baptist churches in Arkansas. We had 16 churches participating in that. Now, I want to tell you something. Christian education takes work. It's a lot of responsibility on a church. It's, uh, it takes sacrifice from the parents. It takes all of those things. It takes all of that. But I'm going to tell you something. We had 16 churches in Arkansas, and we were training a lot of young people. Do you know how many 
Fundamental Baptist churches in Arkansas now uh, have a Christian school? About five. About five. Now, all I'm saying is this. I know the responsibility of it. I know the responsibility. By the way, uh, and I know the responsibility of homeschooling. I know all of that. And I'm not saying that's the only way to do it. Uh, the church is uh, the only, there's three institutions of God. There's the family in Genesis, and there is also the human government. God established human government. You find that in Genesis chapter 8. He established, and this, this is actually funny, but he established human government to protect our civil liberties, to punish criminals. And look where we are today. By the way, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, and one of the things he talked about when they said, talked, when he gave the characteristics of right the time before he came back, he said, iniquity shall abound. That word iniquity means lawlessness. Certainly we see that today, but all I'm saying to you is this. We don't need to always take the easy way or the way, and, and by the way, I've been guilty at that at times. But we as God's people need to realize that the world and their philosophy and the people that are anti-Christian are literally outdoing us. Now, I'm not trying to give you this great church. I'm, I'm glad you, this is a Sunday night crowd. This is the cream of the crop. I know that. I appreciate everything you do, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying if we don't want, we see now things happening in America and even other places of the world because they look up to America. But we see things happening. But America, as far as morally and biblically, is going down the hill like a snowball, picking up momentum and getting bigger and worse and worse and worse. Uh, and so that's where we are in America. Now, here, here's the thing about it. I can say, well, uh, I'm not young anymore, so I'm not going to worry about it. But wait a minute. I have five grandsons. The oldest one is engaged to be married in April. Uh, the, uh, another one is probably going to be engaged pretty quick. Uh, the other three will probably uh, get engaged before too long. They're all grown. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I don't want my great-grandchildren, and I don't want the people of America not to have the opportunity that you and I have had. And so, therefore, we need to do what we can. Now, I'm probably not going to run a bus route. I can still drive one, but I couldn't, I couldn't do all the things needed. I'm probably not going to work in a children's church all the time. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to do what I can to reach the people in our generation. And so that's what we need to do as a church. Uh, but there's a, a lack of biblical education. We need to realize it. And that lack of biblical education, by the way, this also includes Sunday school classes, Children's church ministry, youth ministries, all of that. You say, wait a minute, preacher, we're tired. I know, I know, I know. <coughs> but we've got to do those things. If, Or, by the way, find something else that we can get the job done with uh, that will work. But we've got to get it done because our country, we're losing our society. Uh, lack of biblical education produces the thing. It produces laziness. It produces lawlessness. By the way, the government doesn't know you and I anything. The government is supposed to be of the people, for the people, okay? And uh, by the way, now this is a real, real lesson. This is deep. Y'all need to get this now. 
I'm going to give you a lesson in economics, okay? We're in trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. Now, here's something you remember the next time you vote. Government has zero money unless they take it from people who are working and paying taxes. Amen? Now, uh, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just telling you that, that I, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, uh, but I was brought up with some Christian principles. Like uh, my mom and dad, they wasn't there with a $5 bill every time I wanted to go somewhere. My mom and dad gave me a place to live. They gave me some food to eat. They tried to buy me some clothes. They sent me to school and all this kind of thing. But I'm going to tell you something. From the time that I was 10, 11 years old, if I wanted any Monday money, I had to work. I had to work. It's not going to kill your children to give them some responsibility. And by the way, it won't just come up on them all of a sudden when they're 21 years old. Well, boy, I think I'd like to work. No, sir. You have to start younger to train them that. You've got to give them some responsibility. Teach them to have some responsibility. <coughs> and so we ha it's produced laziness, lawlessness, irresponsibility. Uh, by the way, we are accountable to God. And as parents, we need to be make sure that our children are accountable to us. A lot of teenagers, they say, well, I'll tell you one thing. My parents just think they can order me around to do everything. Well, they're just doing what God told them to do. They're supposed to train you. They're supposed to protect you. And by the way, I made enough mistakes, mistakes, mistakes after I got 21 years old. But when I was 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, I'm telling you, I'm glad that somebody kept me in line because my thinking wasn't right, I'll guarantee you. But it causes division in our country, causes fear. By the way, so many children in our country today and in the world today don't believe that they'll ever get to live very long because of global warming and climate change. You say, study the science. Okay, let me give you a verse for science. Romans 8, 22 says, as long as the earth, the, the seed time and the harvest, winter and summer will continue as long as the earth remains. So the water's not going to rise till it destroys everything. The winter's not going to get too cold. It's not going to get too hot. Uh, I'm telling you, and yeah, I, you say, well, preacher, you're just a dummy. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If this makes me a dummy, I'm going to stay a dummy, okay? I'm going to stay a dummy. Uh, but, but we need to understand what's happening, and, 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 and we need to understand that we need to do what we can. Uh, there's fear. Uh, there's perversion. Uh, my, 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 my. Now, I I'm not against. Uh, by the way, most families have somebody that is lesbian, homosexual. I don't hate those people. And if I had a son or a grandson, I don't have any daughters or granddaughters, but if I had somebody in my family, in fact, I have a niece that is one, but if I had somebody in my family, I would still love them, and you should too. But now, wait a minute. There's a difference in loving and accepting what they do as right. You see, what we're seeing in America is it become a political football. Now we got transgender, we got all this stuff and the, the wokeness and all that's going on today. We got all of that. But let me just simply say this. 
if somebody who is a female should have been a male or somebody that is a male should have been a female, then God made a mistake. God is the giver of life. If you read Psalms 139, beginning with the first 14, where it said we're fearfully and wonderfully made, I want to tell you something. You'll find there that God talks about how that he formed uh, uh, each person. He fashioned us in the womb, and God didn't make any mistakes. If you're a boy, you're, gonna, you're a boy. If you're a girl, you're a girl. And by the way, you can read the book of Genesis and it don't see he said it, that, that, that he made three different species. Uh, he made male and female. And God didn't make a mistake. If he made a mistake, there's no salvation for anybody. So anyway, uh, I'm not going to spend all night on this, but I better go on pretty quick here, uh, Will. But, uh, so there, there needs to be... Uh, I don't mean to be a troublemaker or anything like that, but we as God's people need to stand firm. Not to start fights with people, but we need to stand firm on these issues. Now, there's another thing we're talking about. People who oppose themselves, they're the lost. We can understand. They may not be familiar with the Bible. The Spirit of God does not indwell them. Uh, but if you're saved, we have a teacher within us. But now we still have this old flesh. Amen? I have the Holy Spirit living within me, but I have the flesh. And sometimes I follow the flesh instead of the Spirit. Now, uh, we need to be very careful when God begins to speak to us about things uh, that we, we do not what our flesh is wanting to do, but rather what God is wanting us to do. But also save people who oppose, uh, oppose themselves when we fail to fellowship and communicate with our Heavenly Father. Now, God is the Father of the saved. Uh, we are born, John chapter 3, we are born spiritually into the family of God. Uh, we become the sons of God through <coughs> faith in Christ. John 1, 12 says, As many received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. That means not just sons, but sons are daughters. Uh, it just uses the male reference there. But God is the Father of the saved. Let me illustrate this to you. But we have, my wife and I have two sons, five grandsons. Do you know that one of the highlights of our weeks is when one of our sons calls us? And usually every week, our sons will call us. It may be not because of anything other. I know, Miss Barbara, I know you call. Brother John, most of the time, at least once a week, and pray with him. You can't imagine how much that means to him and how much I appreciate you doing that. Uh, but my son, we communicate with our son. We love to hear from our sons. My wife's worse than I am. But uh, if we watch a, a, a football game, uh, especially if a Razorbacks are playing, I don't mean to offend you Missouri people, uh, but uh, <coughs> if the Razorbacks are playing, we like, we like, I'm not a football fanatic or anything. I just like college football, and I seldom watch anything but the Razorback games. But anyway, but <coughs> our family, our sons, our grandsons, are all Razorback fans. Well, and by the way, when, when they're playing, usually they play on Saturday during the season, and when they're playing, sometime during that game, and maybe at the end of the game, uh, our sons are going to call us. They're going to call and say, hey, you're watching the ball game? And we'll, we'll talk about it. And just, but it, we love it when our sons call. 
Do you like it when you hear from your children? Okay. Let me tell you something. God likes it when he hears from us. He likes it when he hears from us. And do you know what? You don't have to close your eyes to pray. Now, that's okay if you do, but if you're driving and praying, I advise you not to close your eyes. Uh, I, sometimes when I'm driving, I have some of the best times of fellowship with God in prayer. I'm driving down the road, ain't nobody but me and God in the car. And I'll tell you what, sometimes I have a great time with it. Now, I'm not all I should be. I fail, but I want to say this, that God's people need communicate and fellowship with our heavenly Father. And we do that one way through prayer. God loves it when we do. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God likes it when we call him up in prayer. By the way, <coughs> parents also wait to hear their children's needs. Now listen to me. Now some children, if you don't train them right, they will manipulate you and work you and you, so, by the way, you're not supposed to plow all their needs for all their life as they're physically able to work. You know, you're supposed to teach them to work. But what I'm saying is this. If my son had a need, not just because he was lazy or something like that, but if my children had a need, uh, I would want them to tell me what that need was, that I could help them, if nothing else, I could pray with them about it. So all I'm saying is this, God likes to hear from us, and he don't mind. He says, make your request known unto him. He likes it. He likes it. And so <coughs> we communicate him with him by praying. We communicate with him by listening to Bible preaching. Bible preaching. I never am in a Bible preaching service that God does not give me something that helps me. Uh, Brother John Higgins preaching. He, he worked with me nine years when I was pastoring, and he's, but he'd made a good preacher. And I, I like his preaching. I like to be in church. We need to be faithful. And I appreciate you folks be here, being here. So I'm not going to hound you with that. But, uh, but uh, Paul said in the text that we read, he said he was pressed in the spirit. And uh, so uh, when we pray, God sometimes will, will press our spirit about doing something. Let me just simply say that hearing the word of God, the Bible says in Ephesians six seventeen that uh, take unto you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now here's what the word of God does, all right? The word of God, when you read it, uh, when you hear it preached, the Holy Spirit takes the word of God. And if you're listening, he'll begin to penetrate your heart. He'll lay our life open and show us what we need, what we don't need. He'll correct us. That's the importance of being faithful to a Bible preaching New Testament church. Hearing the Word of God. But also, the singing. Thank you all for your music here. Thank you for the special this morning and the one tonight. But I love hymns. I love gospel singing that lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think my, I have a lot of favorite songs, but my favorite song is What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me 
white as snow. I love nothing but the blood. I love there is a fountain. <laughs> and I'm going to try to sing them all for you tonight. I love amazing grace. And I want to tell you something. When you understand that God saved you a sinner and he took care of your sin debt, past, present, and future. He took you made fit for heaven the minute you trust in the righteousness, the blood that Jesus shed to atone for our sin. I'm telling you, that's amazing grace, my friend. That's amazing grace. And so I love the hymn. So that's how we communicate with God. Now, I've got about five, ten minutes here, so I'm going to hurry, okay? But <clears throat> the saved oppose themselves by failing to exercise their faith. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now that tells you right there, if you're depending on your works to have any part in your salvation, that's for your boasting, not for glorifying Christ. Uh, so we're saved by grace through faith. Now let me say not only are we saved by grace through faith, but we're to live by faith. Romans 1.17 says the just, that's the saved. The just shall live by faith. And Hebrews 4.11 says by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5 says Enoch was translated. By, by faith Enoch was translated. Verse 7 says by faith Noah prepared an ark. Verse 8 says, by faith Abraham obeyed God. And on and on and on and on you can go through that chapter. And it's by faith this one did this. They received, uh, the Old Testament saints received, received uh, uh, by faith they received or, or were able to accomplish a good testimony by faith. Now, <coughs> serving God requires faith. We live by faith or we live by fear? One or the other. We live by faith or we live by fear? Uh, I remember that when I first started attending church, I did that by faith. I didn't understand it all. I just knew I'd been saved. The preacher said we we're supposed to be in church. And by faith, I started going to church. We've been faithful to church for years and years. The preacher really got nosy. And he said, if you're saved, you ought to tithe. And it got quiet, just like it is here, okay? Oh, I'm joking with you, all right? Uh, and I thought, my goodness, we hadn't been married that long, and you got a little boy on the way, and we bought a house. We can't afford to tithe. Now I'm a lot older and hopefully a little wiser, and I can't afford not to to tithe, not to tithe. Uh, it's amazing what God does, does when by faith we practice His principles and by faith we started tithing, we started giving. <coughs> I appreciate an elderly couple, both of them are in heaven now, at Cornerstone when I pastored, Brother John knows them well, but it didn't matter what I said from the pulpit. If I said, well, uh, we're going to start a bus fund, they're going to give to it. It didn't matter what, now they weren't wealthy people. But whatever it was that we were going to try to accomplish, they made sure that they gave to it. Let me tell you, that's a fantastic testimony. They were going to give to it some way. They were going to give to it. Uh, but uh, by the way, let me just say this, and I'll try to close with this. God doesn't call everybody to preach. 
He doesn't call everybody to go to a foreign field. He doesn't call everybody to teach a Sunday school class. But he calls everybody to serve him. He created you. He designed you and made you, gave you uh, the, the personality, the brain, all that. He gave you that, all right? And he developed you, and he developed you to serve him in whatever capacity that he gifts you to do. I didn't say gifts, but I said gifts you to do when you get saved. When you get saved, Everybody who gets saved gets at least one spiritual gift. It may be the gift of mercy. It may be the gift of giving. It may be the gift of exhortation. It may be the gift of, of a, a, a pastor, teacher. It may be any number of gifts. I think there's 21 of them, spiritual gifts. But God gave you a gift, and he wants you to use that gift. Now, <coughs> I want to close with this. When God calls you to do something, to take a step of faith, to do something that you have not done before, and you don't feel comfortable doing it, usually when God calls you and wants you to take a step of faith, it's going to be something that your flesh would not want to do. Now, I know y'all can't believe this, because I have a good time preaching whether the people do or not. I have a good time preaching, okay? But you know what? I did not want to be a preacher. Never wanted to be a preacher. And when God started calling me to preach, I would literally, driving down the road, I would shake my head and slap my face and say, what is wrong with me? And I argued with God and argued with God and argued with God until I got so miserable that I finally said, okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And I surrendered. And I love getting to preach. I love getting to preach. I never wanted to be a missionary. Never did. Oh, I, I like missions. Our church supports missions and all that kind of thing. And I liked having missionaries in. But I went to India and I said, I'll never go back again. But I got back and I couldn't get the people out of my heart. And I wrestled with it. My flesh didn't want to do it. I didn't like the smell of India. I didn't like the food in India. I didn't like the way they drove in India. I didn't like hardly anything about India, but God gave me a love and allowed me to see the need that they had of the gospel. And let me tell you something. I just spent 21 days in India, and I was just happy as a dead pig in the sunshine. Just happy as I can be. You say, well, what are you saying, preacher? When God puts in your heart to do something, doesn't matter what it is, but it's for Him and it glorifies Him, it lines up with the Word of God, when God does that, it usually will be something that you would never choose to do if God hadn't begun working on you. And you have to do this. You have to take a step of faith. You have to step out. You don't know how it's going to work. You don't know. You don't think you can do it. You don't even know if you're going to like it or not. You think you won't. But God's put something in your heart. You step out on faith in what God's called you to do. 
And let me tell you, when you do that, you're going to see God do what he described in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. When you step out on that faith, you're stepping on out now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. See, it's not about what you can do. It's about what God can do through you. You young people here tonight, thank you for being here. But I want to tell you something. If you want to have a fantastic life, I'm not talking about driving uh, 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 super fast cars. and That's not what I'm talking about. Having a lot of money, that's not what I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with having money. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to have a life that is a fantastic life, you stay in church, you listen to your Christians uh, around you that teach you, your mom and dad, and you stay in church, and you get in your Bible, and you pray, and you ask God to help you, and when God begins to speak to your heart, you pray about it, you talk to your parents about it, and when God won't leave you alone, it's not about what you want to do, but if he won't leave you alone about something and keeps nudging you to do something, the best thing you can do is surrender to it, and God will do fantastic things through your life. Now, it's not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. It is for every born-again believer. And if we'll start doing that, now listen to me. If we'll, and I'm talking about me, we includes me. If we'll start doing that and say, God, guide me and help me to surrender to your will. If we'll start doing that, God is going to work through us and he's going to use us to make a difference in this world in which we live that's going so crazy. That's what he put us here for. Thank you all for listening tonight. God bless you all. I appreciate you all a good congregation. I may, uh, Brother Sowley wouldn't like this, but I may just invite you all all to go home with me down there so I can see you all more often. But I appreciate you all so much. God bless you. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll have an invitation. Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for the privilege I've had to be here today and tonight and, Lord, to speak. And, uh, Lord, I know there are others that could have done a lot better job. But, Lord, I know what you've done in my heart. I know what you've done in my life. I know what the, how the Word of God speaks to me when I read it and study it. And, God, I pray that we'd all be open. Lord, I know that, Lord, there may be a, another thing that you want me to do that's different than what I'm doing now. And, Lord, I may argue with you again, but, God, help me to be wise enough to surrender to your will and do your will and trust you to accomplish great things through my life. And Lord, if you can use me, you can use anybody. And God, I pray you'd use your people to make a difference in this society. And Lord, that many, many, many might come to know you as Savior around the world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.